Well, welcome again, Quantum Agriculture, recording from Sinichair Rainforest Retreat at our 2014 Australian Advanced Course. And I'm welcoming Leah and Chris Geary. And um, let's tell me about your farming history and what you do. And uh, let me see. Um, I grew a backyard of radish when I was 12 in the suburb of Merkabat in Brisbane and you know, a few bits and pieces then and uh, I decided to go farming when I was 20. Yeah. And, uh, no farming family in the background? Um, yes, yes. My, um, my mother, and, mother and father were from peasant stock in Italy, my mother from northern Italy, there they were farmers up there and uh, my dad from, from Elba, which is an island off... I don't know, um, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, uh, you know, they just came out to Australia. They, they, you know, well, my mum's family came out to Australia, and my dad came. She was four, and my dad came out when he was seventeen. And um, no, they worked in the city basically. And my dad was a cane cutter and an oper operatic tenor who was on the radio team. But anyway, um, they went to work in the city. My dad always had a veggie garden in the backyard and a few fruit trees, as every old Italiano does. And I was always interested. I always had an interest in biology and zoology and did those things at school. Went to university for a couple of months, couldn't stand it. Went, went and bought a business and did that for a bit and said, I'm going to And um, my parents had 10 acres of ground. I needed a house built. I built the house for them and started farming. Started grew some zucchinis. Then I got a little bit of money and I put in an acre of strawberries and then I made a, um, a nursery and grew little seedlings and planted lettuce for, and then tomatoes and so on for a number of years and then uh, things happened and I, um, I grew turf for a while and mixed up in naturopathy, you know, learning about naturopathy a bit and found out that I wasn't at war with nature. I actually went to listen to Hayden Anderson and he said insects attack sick plants and not healthy plants and I went like tilt, tilt and, and the weeds are native soil tenders and I thought I have never heard this before and I couldn't get my head around it but I went home I told Leanne and, and we, um, I thought about it and I tried to make a bit of compost, made a mess, it was, we were using chicken manure to grow the, the um, the turf, and I thought, this stuff stinks, what can I do to this? And I thought back to the naturopathy, I thought, I've got to have minerals. So I got some coal ash, mixed it with that, 25%, and I thought it was minerals that fixed everything up, but I actually believed that I created, it was a buffer. So after that, we found we didn't have to spray the grubs, and six months later, the end said, oh, well, going out to spray a herbicide, you said, you reckon you need it? We didn't spray any more herbicides after that. We, so we sold turf that was weed free and, and grub free and all that was really healthy, really good. So you've only you've been together how many years? Eleven yeah. years. Yeah. So you just began farming eleven years ago? No, no, I started when I was uh, twenty. Twenty. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and then we figured maybe we can grow some food because I really still like growing food. So we embarked on what we're doing now. Hmm, it's all the properties in Brisbane, and they're not important properties in Nancy. 
So we started our new project. So oh. I wanted to go, when I was um, 15, I wanted to go to the Agricultural College. Did you? Yeah, and I went up there, <coughs> my parents took me up there, and evident, I didn't know that there were no girls there. But um, the headmaster didn't want any girls there either. So he was telling anybody that was coming that was female that they were better off doing something else. And because my parents didn't have a farm, they told us that um, it was stupid of me to even try to go to do the agricultural college. And so I'd never. Smart. Well, that was one that they said I was too smart. I should go to university instead. But that I'd never own a farm, and uh, I shouldn't go. And so we didn't go. I didn't go. But one of my cousins, I didn't know, a second cousin or something. Her mother went with her, and she thought, we'll see about that. <laughs> she actually was one of the first girls in there. <laughs> so, but that didn't, my parents didn't do that. They weren't into, they weren't into fighting. <laughs> so I didn't do it. Went and did uh, applied chemistry, started that at university. Really? And then, um, then went from that to, because I didn't have any money. So, and I had to hitchhike a long distance to get to me. It wasn't working. So I got a job and, as a trainee medical laboratory technologist which I really love, and did that for a bit until I got married and had three kids, and then ended up in an area where Chris was, and so we got to be friends, um, he was married to someone else, and I was married to someone else, and uh, so eventually that all broke down and we got together. So, um, they found other friends. Yeah, they, they, we don't like sharing. <laughs> so, <laughs> So we, we've been together 11 years, our kids went to school together and stuff, and uh, we just felt that uh, God was leading us to a property where we could get up to provide food, good food, healthy food, and with a naturopathy background, uh, we figured that the best way to get minerals and vitamins into you was with food. So, Much more so, bioavailable. So our plan was to do raw milk, but we actually bought a property a bit too far out, and not easy to... Um, you know, sell from out there. Mm -hmm. uh, so, a lot of legislative impediments. Yeah, well, that's been one of the, when I ask people what they're challenging with farming, and that's what's come again and yeah, again yeah. the bureaucracy, which is so too much we did, paperwork. We did decide to go organic because, um, well, go back a bit. When Chris was doing turf, we had uh, Jerry Colby Williams from ADC. He um, had Chris's turf and loved it. And he came to the garden show, or gave us a site on the garden show, actually, for nothing, didn't he? Uh, what, 10 years ago or something? Might be even more than because we're still in that maybe 12. Yeah. Anyway, we were married, so I think only 10. Oh, okay. But, um, so we had this wonderful site there, and he did his talks for the show on our turf. And he said, you know, Chris, you're already organic. Why don't you just go and be organic? And get he said, oh, get certified. And he said... Oh, that's oh, a cool. waste of money. What for? You know? But when we went up to the to the new farm at Pansy, we thought, oh, well, you know, we will go organic because the only way you're going to get top dollar for things is if you are. We were doing everything organic. You know, so we figured we might as well get the certification. Yeah. So we started it. And then we said, oh, well, we need to have money coming in too. That helps. So we thought, oh, well, we'll do eggs. I was fluffing around, playing looking at this and looking at that, and I built a, built a chicken tractor and all that sort of thing. And I said, oh, I think it's a bit hard. She said, we've got to make some money. So she organised it. And in the middle of that, my dad got very sick with cancer, so I went mm. down there for a few months on and off, up and down and up and down until he died. And then my brother got very sick, and we had him at home for a while. So it sort of stopped us 
getting ahead a bit for about a year. And, uh, but anyway, we've got the, um, the chickens up and running, and we've got went from 150 chickens to 650 chickens to 1150 chickens, sort of something like that, you know. Mm. And uh, then we got our markets. So yeah. As it went up, yeah. we found more and more markets. So you're the one that does the marketing? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Pretty I, I found most of the customers and um, keep that going. Big part. Mm, yeah, yeah. But I thought, oh, you know, we're organic already. Doing eggs is easy. Just we're organic already. What more do you need to do? No. Buy organic feed. Find well, organic grain growers. Actually, you had to do an HACCP thing in your jig. You know, plan of what you were doing. Like you couldn't just Safe do it. Food and, sort of stuff. and then, then you had to have an audit from the organic people, obviously. Then you had to have a safe food audit because they said you had to be part of safe food. Well, the manager handling eggs, you know. And, and then you had to have the Free Range Association, which is a third audit. And we're getting sick of that paperwork. Anyway, moving right along. So what do you do? What You do eggs? And, and we now do... Well, we've always done beef, but we used to just sell them as quarters and halves and what have you. Now we've actually got it... Um, and we, I take it to the market in small amounts. Yeah, and, and we just buy about it and land. But we sort of we did about eighteen of them, and now we've run out <laughs> for the moment because we eat them too. So we you know get some. Well, and with all those woofers that you have, you've got to yeah. feed a lot of people. It's a bit. It's a bit trickier looking after them because we lock them up each night. Like, they're like Sheep, dogs. Not the woofers. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want the woofers knowing Sorry. about that yet. <laughs> so they're a bit more work. Yeah. And two years ago, we, we thought, we need more people, we need more people, so we put ourselves into the woodwork and we started. Oh, we put it in three years ago, but we never got any calls for a year. There's something wrong with the phone number for our time. And then all of a sudden, we were going to my son's engagement party in the car, we got a call from the fair for us. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so after that, we've had them constantly. You know, uh, Shan and Shane Joyce, they've been attracted in a lot of yep. chefs. <laughs> Some of their wolfers have been chefs. Yeah, well, we have Japanese and Asian actually. chefs, but they don't want to cook for you. Oh. Not yeah. too much, anyway. We do we do vegetables, but we don't really have enough time for that. That's one thing I'd like to do. We've got a, a purpose-built composting facility in Big Turner and done all the courses with the lube keys and with the, um, uh, yeah. yeah, but, but we just haven't got time to do this stuff. We'd just like to get someone to come and be interested in that and uh -huh. just do it. What's the dairy? Oh, yeah, we want to do Are you doing dairy? We'd we like want to. to. <laughs> We've had it there all Are the time. Are you sure? Yeah. Well, not big like Glen, just a little one. Just enough to do our own butter and cheese and, mm -hmm. and um, cream, and then the whey or whatever can go in the mash for the chops, mm -hmm. and that'll be good for them. And then we just have that little dairy just kicking over, just as an extra income. And also, we want to do meat chickens, which we have done before, yeah. but we need to build that up and get it going. Yeah, it, looks, it seems like we need a slaughter facility for that. It's a little bit hard to yeah. get it to do it anywhere. So that's another thing. They're, they're completely, mean? and the way you should, can you tell and say how we do the chickens? What do you mean, how to kill them? You no, know, the, the way we do the chickens, you know, like, as with Joel Slater says, move everything. Yeah. Um, but even our our little uh, pens for the day-olds move, but they don't move every day. They move once they're finished. 
once they've done once we've done one batch, we move that. Then they go into the little movable pens to let old not to lay eggs, and that's where we do our broilers as well. And then they go out into a paddock, um, you know, with a net around them. Surrounded by electric fence. And we don't we move once a week because it's just because of the the equipment that's there. Yeah. We have free choice feeders and a lot a lot of gear there that, that we have to move. And um, we grind our own feed because we, the, the organic feed still has synthetic methylate in it. And even though it's you know, in the organic standard that you can't use it, well, everybody does. It's, and, and, you know, it's accepted. Anyway, um, so we do that because uh, we want to grow good food. You know, that's the, the main thing. The oh, main. I, th I thought you told me that you actually feed your birds meat. Which gives them the meat methionine? Meal. Meat, meat meal. meal. It gives them the methionine? We do, mm. do, when we have kills, if there's some over, mm. we, we do. Yeah. Means me, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You don't feed the chickens to chickens, do you? Oh, no, no. No, 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 no. Definitely no, 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 no. not. No, they no, might get no, a taste no. for each other. No. <laughs> no. Okay. no. We don't have, don't, generally don't have a problem with that um, picking each other. Yeah. You know, and this one's really old or something and they all kick on it. If one gets, if they get sick, they're like that, you take them out. But if you take them out and put them in a hospital pen, they're okay. Yeah. But other than that, they're pretty good. We were told because I integrate the, the younger ones, they, they said that's impossible. Seems to work, you know. Yeah. And, but we it, just put the young ones out and put an electric fence between them and the older ones for a week. And they get used to getting yeah. out for their water and they you know, come outside and, and, and then a few of the older ones get into with the younger ones, a few of the older ones get into with the, the younger with ones. The young yeah, they, they, they yeah, I had a, 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 right, well, maybe a year before I came to join Hugh here, I, I decided I would get wine dots. I love hmm. wine dots because, I mean, that man spent his whole lifetime perfecting this breed, the wine dots. They're pretty. Well, not only that, they were developed to do eggs and meat, oh, yeah. which is rare. And then he also added something beautiful. He added in their sound. If you ever heard a Wyandot rooster, no. it's just totally different from any other rooster. He has about six different sounds that he makes. Really? Yeah. It's, it, I, think, I think I, well, I tried to record it, but I know I've heard it on YouTube when you hear Wyandots. No. It's so amazing. But, oh, you know, so I had the girls first, and then the guy next door that I got the girls from, he had a rooster that he brought over with He was much younger. Oh, they picked on that poor rooster. I had to kind of, like, baby him outside and create a place for him to sleep outside, you know, so he was away from them. Well, I didn't last long, boy. <laughs> he became so mean. He was a mean rooster. Really? Yeah, and the, but he, those girls, he, he made up for it fast once yeah. he got big enough. And, oh, I mean, literally, I'm talking to Hugh on the phone in Australia, and I could hear the raccoons. I thought I'd made this wonderful pen that they couldn't. First, the snake got into their egg-laying place. They wouldn't go in there anymore. They wouldn't. They just couldn't get them back in there. So... Then they decided to lay all over because I had a fenced-in garden. Mm -hmm. They'd lay all over the garden, and I couldn't find the eggs. And then this raccoon would come down the trees at night, and oh, you could just hear them suffering so much, and I couldn't do anything about it. You know, I got them one by one. one, one by one, and the poor rooster got his beak bitten off, and I brought him in and kept him and took care of him. Percy, the Percival. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, it was a sad day, but those wine knots, I love them, and I thought, what a brilliant breed. I've seen, I'm pretty sure I, I've, I've seen bantams that were wine knots, but uh, I'm sure that they were. They looked that colour and all, and I, I was, thought I was told that they were, but I didn't know there was a big breed that was... Oh, yeah, they have purple feathered really? wine dots, and you have, what do they call them? Oh, they just have beautiful colour hues. But they were the man that bred them and spent years creating this breed. He bred them so you had a meat chicken at the end of their leg. There are dual purpose birds. Yeah. Caracas is the sweetest one to I know. Interesting. And brown. We decided on the brown rather than right. white or black. Or yep, yep. And because eagles can pick the white birds off these more That's easily. Right. And the black ones don't lay as well in a summer. So the browns well, and the white ones here. don't want lay as well, well in the winter. Yeah. yeah. These ones are pretty good that way. Interestingly enough, it's a Rhode Island red and a Rhode Island white cross. The, the, I, don't, I can't remember which rooster they use and which hens they use, but yeah. they cross one with the other to get that. And you get a pretty big, meaty rooster and a very compact, slim female that lays a lot of eggs. So it's, it's interesting, wouldn't it? You know, they just dump the, the day-old male ones, but I think that they'd make a reasonable meat if they take a bit longer. For somebody to want to taste, I reckon they'd be okay. Well, I mean, if you're on your own homestead <coughs> and you got to feed a lot of wolfers, <laughs> provide well, them with we, whatever you can get. But we generally, we'll get one, one in each batch probably of 500 on average. There's generally somebody that wants a, a, a rooster and they grow a beautiful rooster. Yeah. yeah sort of like... You know, you've got red and white, and well, they're a bit, they're not pied, but they're brindle sort of thing. They're very pretty, aren't they? They're mm. big. And I might place bird's nest um, in, in Georgia, and Hughes Farm's right next door, and somehow he had a bunch of apprentices there, and they had a bunch of roosters. So they put a sign out on the street, beautiful painted sign, that says, Roosters. Uh, Two dollars, full grown and spunky too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when they left the princess, they gave me the signs. So right up on the side of our our retreat center, we go, full grown and spunky too. <laughs> two dollars, you know. Jeez. Jeez, I mean, you can't even catch a rooster for two dollars. <laughs> well, we we do like it a while, but you know, we've got to eat this one. I said, back then it was. It was, it was the day, I think it was only two days away, I said, oh, I'm going to have to do that one at the end of the week. And someone sent me an email, have you got a rooster? And, and, and it's unusual because, you know, you don't have roosters, you know, you're not, yeah. allowed, not yeah. allowed to keep them. Not really? with the hens. And ah. The rules are, the, the legislation is, if you have laying heads, in, in, certainly in Queensland, you can't have a, a rooster with them. Because they don't want fertilised eggs. Well, they, they don't, but people actually want fertile eggs to eat. Yes. No, that, you know? Yeah. All right, that's the we've got the chickens going. Yeah, and now, and you're, and you're doing other things. You do beef and... Yes, yeah. I'm doing the beef and lamb at the markets as well now. Yeah. And, and do you take a freezer? And, cause yeah, we had to buy a... Well, we had to buy something. Yeah. And we bought a cold cube, a... Um, the Thermo King Polycube. Sort of, yeah. Oh, like, I know. I've seen them at markets. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Expensive. This is the yeah. first one I've ever seen at a market. Yeah, well, I saw it in Armadale. 
they had a, a local um, organic market, and this couple would, I think they came up from Dorigo, and they had... Well, it's really good because you can have it on freeze, freeze, or you can have it on just, you know, five degrees, so you can have 12 it on... 12 volt or 24 volt. Beautiful. Yeah. 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 So, it's working out pretty well. And there's um, down here in Lismore, at the market, on Thursdays, where the yeah. couple would arrive, and they have... And it's all cryovacked. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It's fantastic. I mean, you get great meat. And yeah, so we take, um, we've always taken fruit or pumpkins or whatever well, we've yeah. had extra. And we've got people who just love our pumpkin and um, sweet potatoes that have been raving over and um, the lemons and limes. And, yeah. might, I'd really like to get someone to do the compost and, some, and wanted to do vegetables because you've got the compost, go to vegetables, be a treat. Yeah. But we can't afford it. Oh, do you sell bags of compost? Haven't even done any. You know, <laughs> we haven't got the time. We I, haven't turned the turnout yet. Well, it's interesting because um, one keeps, well, it wasn't his first apprentice, but he's certainly the apprentice that's gone the furthest in the world. He's got his own brand now, Farmer D Organics. And um, he decided to create a compost. Well, it turns out, you know, it's what he did was there's these big, they're called um, whole earth food stores that are just huge, you know, mm. all over the country. And so in Georgia, they went around collecting the refuge mm. produce, right, and adding it to the compost. Mm. And so it, and then they sell them back to the whole earth, bagged, yeah. farmer D organics made from whole earth, whatever that. Well, the truth of it was 95% chicken litter. Mm. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not the most organic of, of, but it's a great idea. To, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's it, it, there could be. We just it's just something that we couldn't do ourselves. We'd have to get someone who was interested and bagging like, to well, labeling it. They, they could do whichever way they wanted, you know. Yeah. But we just have to find find someone that wants to do that. Well, it's a big investment, a blossom compost owner. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is not a blossom, this is a CMC. Yeah, but it's still an investment. Well, like yes. I said, we spent about 100 grand on the, on the boat. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Mm, it's just so sitting there. Yeah. It's a great bit. Yeah. Well, I'll do something with it. You want to? Mm. Yeah. yeah. But we could, once you've got the stuff, you can either use it on farm or sell it on. You know? So they, that yeah. would be. Or create a there. brand. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's exactly it. right. But, Create a brand, you know. But I don't feel, but neither of us feel to have an employee doing it. We feel to have somebody like a partner doing it. Well, you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're just hoping that somebody will come along, will come, will come along. You will see. attract that person. Yep. That's it. And the dairy, little dairy, and the meat chicken. And so and you guys are going to live forever? Yes, that's yeah. right. <laughs> well, you and have chicken. a cut-up room and a commercial kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so we have grand ideas. Yeah, value added. Yeah, We've got added. an olive grove. We don't have time to pick the olives. Yeah, but then you have to ferment them. Well, Because, yeah, yeah done, olives have to be fermented. To so you've done them, and they're, they're done. really good. Oh, wow. Salt and... Um, oh, yeah, and they're beautiful. beautiful. I like them. I think, nice. yeah. Yeah, but we've done the oil. <coughs> First couple of years there, we picked enough rows to do a hundred meters of oil or something like that. Oh, that's a lot of oil. So, um, yeah, but we didn't think we'd get through that much, and we gave some away, so and then we were out of it. 
Oh, yeah, we need well, to... there's, there's olives growing around where we are, but it's not a real olive growing area. But everywhere you go where there's olives, it's usually roundup underneath. So then they have to spray the trees and so on. But we we run the chickens in like the, the growing little growing pens, the three meter by three meter pens down the rows. We have two paddocks that we use for that, but we use that one if it's really hot or really cold to to protect them a bit. And uh, and of course we run sheep in there as well as you know, in rotation. So you know if we can get that going, you've got olive sheep and chicken out of the same paddock. And you're using biodynamics. Yes, yes, not not big heaps, but we use we use the um, uh, the soil activator. The soil activator, yeah. And we do what we can. Um, and we have a radio. We have radio on its machine. We have a. You have a field broadcaster. And we have a field. We have used. Yeah. We have that and um, we learned a few things about that because we've been here. Mm. Well, we've got to do a bit more landscaping around it. It's, it's reasonably close to a shed, so it needs, uh, I think it needs a bit of, um, yeah, wow, it needs a bit of work and maybe a bit of a few plants going around it rather than. Yeah, and you put compost around them too. Yes. Which it brought, we found that it broadcast whatever's within 30 feet of it. Yeah, well, I'm a bit concerned, like, where you drive yeah. into the shed, it's a bit, you know, like, and, and everything's covered up, you know, like, and that's so I want to make it nice, particularly around the immediate area, because further along, there's not a real lot I can do with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. How many acres do you have? I thought a large piece. Well, you know, we were, he was speaking on, it was blog, which is borders... Land Care Organic Group. It's the only dedicated organic land care group in this country. They're in Tenerfield. The right. office is in Tenerfield. Um, but Doug Fox, do you know him? Just awesome, awesome guy. And he he put together a workshop and got a grant and brought me in for two days of teaching at the Stanford Wine College. It was beautiful. And there were people there with big, huge farms. But these people come out there. We've only got 20 acres. We've only got 20 acres. Like, I was like, do you understand that, you know, like one acre of humic soil, that that goes on for 200 years, that you're giving the greatest gift to the planet? So don't be apologetic. But at the size, if you're doing something that's going to be self-sustaining, life-giving, and to your grandchildren and great-grandchildren, hey. Well, where we are, the amount of ground we've got, Carrying capacity is 60, 60 cattle. We've wow. got 100 cattle, around about 100 sheep, 3,000 chickens, five acres of, of um, olives, this, and uh, we've got an area for a compost pad. We, we, you know, we've got paddocks for loosen and all of those sort of things. So we've got. We're, we're, we're moving, doing pretty well. We're, we're moving forward. Not I backwards. would say so. And you, you do some boron on your soil? You did soil testing? We, we haven't done a lot. We've done a bit. We know what we need, and we've yeah. just got to keep doing some more. The, the well, next I'm, I've seen, you know, you've seen now with the charts, the yeah. differences. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we have to retest. We've had lots of luck. The soil yeah. came out in pieces like this when we first went there, and, and after the floods, you know, I had some pasture, I thought, uh, I better rip it. And so a few months after that, I decided to rip it. Because I thought the top's a bit, it, it, it's a bit hard. It's only hard that much, and underneath it's beautiful. But I'm absorbing. 
Wow, like down you. the road, still plows that piece, just like this. We should get come by and see our what Hugh does, his garden method. It's really quite brilliant. It was the first thing he thought, which is, you know, he, he does bed and path. So your tractor never hits your growing beds, ever. No weight, no compression. So when he digs a bed, that's it. That bed is there. As long as that garden's there, that bed's there. And believe me, if I even step onto the bed, it's like, <gasps> you know, mortal sin. And, and 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 but it's amazing because then you only build the energy of that bed. You don't rip it up every time, you know. And um, and then what he does is he mows the rows between, and all the, it blows all the. It must be the track must be fairly wide. Well, it depends on the size of your tractor. You see, it depends on what you're tilling your soil with, or what. Because see, he got this Italian spader. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, and so he got a tight spader. So the size of the groating bed is the width of the Italian spader. Yeah. And then the wheels of the tractor go along the path. Yeah. So they never compress the beds. And yeah. and, and it's like double digging it. And and it's amazing to see well, what, it. What we do is where we have our, our little pens. We, um, before that, but after that, we, we're going to be doing We're going to put some cover crop in and all that sort of thing. But we, all I've been doing is, we don't have a lot of time, right? So all I've done is I run the tractor down to the ripper, I put a delver through, have a, have a taken all of the tines other than this much out of the road and road, so I only mix up that little bit. Yeah. And then I just run a, a round bale between the, you know, do my, yeah. put, my, put my bits and pieces in there and run a round bale in between so I'm building up the ground because... There was only there was this much dirt, yeah. and when we had some earth, so you're building stuff, up your organic. Matter. I put some more dirt, and so that maybe maybe that much before you've got rock, but it's very it's very well drained rock, but and it's fairly heavy soil, but there's it's not a whole lot of moisture, so we're building up the soil with with the with the round bales and hay. Yeah. Um, and we haven't disturbed the that's um, right the stuff there. So I, I like that. Um, well, actually, he's written a few things, you know, on the uh, the newsletter that comes online from BAA, Biodynamic Agriculture mm. Australia. Um, he has been doing this wonderful thing. He says, the only tool I need now is a lawnmower. Mm. Literally, he's, it, you know, we rent, but this, I mean, our neighbor slash landlord loves it because he'll just go out there and he gets loosened and, and buckwheat and mm. turnips and... Um, kahuna peas and all kinds of stuff. He just makes this mix up, just goes and throws it out, just broadcasts the seed out, then mows it. Mm. He takes a lawnmower through or a slasher, whatever you have, and slashes it all down. And it's <coughs> amazing. I mean, mm. it's so, it, it, with all know. that grass that was in there, it's just been all replaced well, with these plants. Well, one of, one of the things that we started, there was a there was a flower mold, mulching mold, a little one, low. Yeah. And I started with that. We had Patterson's Curse. We, we got the, the purple top stuff. Oh, I'm very aware. You know, you ferment that Patterson's Curse. It'll go away for four years. You didn't have to. You just... Everybody said poison it. Oh, no. And I just said, no, I just waited for it to grow up, mowed it, and guess what? With the, um, with with the, the flower mower. So it chops it and drops it. And hay presto. So then I thought. Well, yeah, because what that's doing is putting. Well, it's putting back in the soil. It's putting back in what the things accumulate. Exactly. 
Because it's purple flowers are always oh, indicator oh. copper deficiencies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's the soil putting the copper in. Yeah, brilliant. Copper deficient, so I thought, gee, this is pretty good. And but it was clogging if you got a piece of stick in. Yeah. So I believe I'm gonna get a bigger one of these and I was somewhere one day and there was one for a couple of grand and needed some work, so I, I said, Can I buy that? And you go, on. Yeah, yeah, get it. So now and, and we have for a couple of years, when a paddock you know you know, when we the cows are finished, they haven't cleaned it up, or if it's messy or or we didn't have time to get the cows in, we didn't need it, I just go and flail mow it, put it on the ground. And weeds come back as grass. It's just amazing. Well, I yeah, because you're feeding back the copper that it needs <coughs> just by well, doing that. Even if it's even if it's whatever the weed is. Yeah, we whatever. We don't we don't get that. There was flock weed and all that sort of thing, and it's um, well, pretty good. Hmm. It's, come, it's come back very very good. That was an amazing thing. Yeah, yeah. better than a slasher. Much much better than a slasher. Yeah. Yeah. He's just using a push mower. Yeah. The, the Petrol, but. Yeah. yeah. The problem that I had with a slasher was that it would windrow and yeah. go anaerobic in the windrow, where this thing just chops it and drops it and drops yeah. it on the ground. It's just brilliant. And that rocks. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's better than me having to go out and make fermentations. I've been fermenting um, tobacco weed because mm. it's so everywhere where we live. Mm. So it's an indicator. It's mm. an indicator of phosphorus and zinc deficiency. Yeah. So I ferment it, a little molasses and Make a ferment and then dilute it 100 to 1. Spray it out. Use mm. your phosphorus to get your zinc free. Free. Mm. Just by using the plant that's gifting the soil. The rejuvenator. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It was just weeds when we weren't there. Basically, the farm was mainly weeds that had just been absolutely clogged. And How's your boron levels? Boron levels are fairly low. Yeah, because that's... Well, they were. I haven't yeah. checked for a while. Yeah. yeah, but you've been putting on... Um, I do put on spray on boron, yeah. Yeah. With humic acid? No, no. Because I remember when Hugh left for Australia, Australia, and he, I said, well, okay, what's your dream? If you could have anything happen on the farm. He said, oh, that back fields, I'd like to have boron, but he says, make sure you put it on with your... What, what what I had to do, we had to make um, worm, we, we basically, we had a bathtub set up, and we just filled in leaves and put in earthworms, and so it made humic acid, mm. made a lovely compost tea in a way, mm. and it says, and put it in that way, so, because uh, sometimes it can burn up mm. your soil, and we did it. <laughs> I did put on, I've I got a, a semi-trail load of leonardite. Oh, uh, leonardite, yeah. And, um... Uh, potassium silicate and soft rock phosphate and we mixed all that up with some other things and, and gypsum and wine and that and did spend that, that over the property so yep. we did get some humates there and when, I, when I'm when putting out spray there will always be the molasses and the fish so yeah. I'm trying to get them, I spray the plants because the sea minerals is high magnesium, it's a high magnesium soil yep. the, the plants are deficient in magnesium and it, it seems to work, you know, because yeah. I'm getting it on, I'm aiming for the plant in that, in that situation. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, basically, our approach has been naturopathic, so we really mm. have mainly dealt up to this, dealt up to this stage with physical things, yeah. you know, and, and minerals and stuff like that, but we, we do use the preps, and, you know, you can't be absolutely sure what makes the difference, but... It's better than 
the um, much better than the the, uh, the other farms in the district. So yeah, seems seems to be good. And you know, it's one of you know, well, Heinz is one of the examples. Yep. He's, he's, and then our friends up there in Lakeland, who are also um, they're Swiss, never grew a thing, came over as engineers from Switzerland. Yeah. And came when he was working in Quantumag Solutions, and he taught them how to farm. You know, and they, so they started right off from organic, right off. You yeah. know, and and that's like so easy when you don't have grandpa there saying, "Can't do it that way, won't work." <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, we just went. We we really went cold turkey on off the the chemicals and all that sort of thing. Uh, I just said, "Siddley, I'm just going to do it because I hate spraying." I said, yeah, you want to live a little bit longer. Well, that was it, and, and it worked. And we thought, gee, how far can we take this? You know? You're still taking it. Well, we've still got plenty to learn, haven't we? Yeah, we do. Any of your children interested in going on with it? No. Yeah. <laughs> we have a grandson that might be, though. He's only eight, so he could change his mind. But at the moment, he thinks it, Chris is absolutely wonderful. He knows absolutely everything. And that he knows a lot more than his own dad. Of course. <laughs> and, uh, and they, you know, my grand, two, these two grandchildren, years ago when we come in or I come in, they'd, they'd have packed their bags ready to come to the farm before they'd even asked if they were going. So, <laughs> and uh, last holidays, they were talking, well, when we go to the farm, we'll do this, that, and the other. And when we go to the farm, and Kylie rang me and she said, I wasn't going to send them this holidays, but I'll have to, don't I? <laughs> So they're there now. You know, our, our friend Tony Coote has, you know, obviously grew up with a lot of wealth, but his fondest memories were going to the farm, milking the cow with his grandfather, separating the cream, and now he's, you know, he's got the big egg business. He's got like yeah. 20,000 chickens all free range. Yeah. But I mean, his favorite thing is out there milking the cow, separating the cream, yeah. you know? So but that was because of grandpa. Yeah. That was visiting Grandpa on the farm. Jody might be interested. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jody, Jody's there now, my, my younger daughter, and she might stay. Yeah. yeah. We'll see that. how she goes. Oh, sure. But, uh, you know, Dylan may come eventually, and they're both like riding the quad bikes. Riding the what? Not well, the quads. Bike, yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. And they're good in the shed. They help grade eggs and things when we're first starting, and they're our only helpers there for a while every holidays. We had two little helpers of four and five. And they four and five? And they something were... like that. They were, I let them help get the eggs off, you know, let kids Beautiful. do something and uh, expect big things of them and they usually live up to them. They've been very good. We don't make them go collect eggs now, um, but when they come up, we have these little kids that get in and help with that too. So do you have a woofer shed or they stay in your home? Or? They're all in our home. Oh, well, we've got two in our... Um, an accommodation thing we have, but the rest are inside the house, and we do have to change that. It's too many people yeah. in the house, and we need the house back. Yeah, I think that's really what's hit the wall for a lot of people I know with woofers is just having them in their face all the time. Yeah. Oh, well, last night Jody had to get up at 2 15 in the morning to go to the market, and she said, She said to the woofers, You know, could you please keep it down? I'm going to bed now, go to sleep, and she said. They just, you know, laugh, and they have another one laughs, and they carry on, and, you know, you can get, get to sleep. And that's been my story for years now, you know, that they will be up talking, yeah, laughing or whatever, the TV's on or something, and I can't get to sleep. 
So, um, yeah, there's got to move out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, we like the feeling that their family sort of thing, but they have to move. I can't have them <laughs> in the house any longer. <laughs> They've got to go. Yeah. I just saw my. I just saw you moving them into the chicken coops, <laughs> and then and the wet. <laughs> They're pretty. We nice. get a lot of pretty big ones. Though. Yeah, but you get a few that, that, that you know are a little bit dry, but generally it's pretty good. And we've had some absolutely fantastic ones. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm laughing because my Cherokee medicine teacher he's passed over now, but he he somehow had to move in his grandfather's farm into the chicken coop, right? But then he got laid for the first time in the chicken coop. <laughs> <laughs> After that, you know, it was like chicken coops are good. You know, <laughs> good memories. He said every time I I hear a chicken, it's like, oh. <laughs> I don't think they'd like to sleep in our chicken. No, I know that. I just, I was just, I don't know why my eyes just saw that. <laughs> no, no, we have to get more accommodation. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's a good one. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I just am so happy you came to the advanced course, you know, it's just like... Well, we wanted to come each time, but we, we couldn't fit it in, I said, stuff it, we're going. Well, so yeah. I, said, I said, have you booked it yet? No. Are you sure Jody's coming? Yes, Jody's coming. Book it. <laughs> I'm so, so glad. It took about a month to get to book it. But, and thank you for all your help, too, in the, the kitchen. I know, but it's, it's good. I enjoy it. Yeah, well, I keep telling everybody we're a family. We better act like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. It's been terrific, hasn't it? The food's been good. It's a nice spot. It, it's a really nice spot. But, you know, and the people are really good. And there's so much knowledge up there. I know, it's wonderful. Even the people that, you know, like are just starting and that, they're no dummies up there. No. I wouldn't get attracted here if they were. You're yawning. You want to end this? Yep. (laughs) We're a little bit sleep deprived. Yes. I said to Leanne, if this went on for a few more days, we may just get back to level. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think you actually ever catch up on sleep you've missed. Yeah. Well, you said, I've got to go to bed early tonight. And I thought, "Uh uh-huh, we'll see. I bet she's out there talking right now. Is that what that is? I love to talk. He's great. Yeah, yeah but he just never seems to end with his knowledge. You know, it's just like very no, incredible. It's amazing. Well, thank you so much. It's, well, thank it's you very really much. great. Thank you. I'm gonna just okay. Well,